Good morning, church. It's wonderful to see you all this morning. It's a good morning to be in the house of the Lord. We'd like to just say welcome. Welcome to any of you who are visiting here with us. We'd like to uh, just make sure we at least say hi to you and get to know you this morning a little bit. If you're watching online, we'd like to invite you to connect with our online hosts. There's always a button there to um, connect, ask questions, um, and uh, and just check in. Chat in that uh, uh, live stream as well and just let us know who you are and uh, that you're here this morning. As we go into time of uh, worship, uh, we just want to make you all aware that after the third song, we're going to have a time of prayer this morning. Um, so we're excited for that. We're going to have people up here at the front to pray with you. Uh, so if God puts it on your heart, maybe he works through you during worship this morning um, and puts it on your heart to come up here and uh, just uh, get prayer and, um, and pray with somebody who's, who's uh, going to be up here at the front. I'd like to invite you just to stand as, as we prepare our hearts in worship this morning. There's a book that I read many years ago. It's called Worship is What by Tom Crater. And in his conclusion of this book, he says this, Above all, keep seeking after the objective of our worship, Almighty God. He promises that if we seek him with all of our heart, we will surely find him. And he shares this passage, Jeremiah 29, verse 13. It says here, You will seek me and find me when you seek with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. This morning, church, are you seeking with all of your heart? If you're not, I challenge you just to ponder this question as we, as we worship this morning. What's stopping me from seeking the Lord with all of my heart? All we want and all we need is found in you. 
Father of kindness. Father of kindness, you have poured out grace. You brought me out of darkness, you have filled me with peace. Giver mercy, you're my help in time of need. Lord, I can't help but sing faithful. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. All your promises are yes and amen. confidence is your faithfulness so I will rest in your promises my confidence
Jeremiah chapter 1, God reminds Jeremiah that um, before he was even formed in the womb, he knew him. Now, we serve a God that uh, knows what we need even before we ask. And it's through Christ working in us that we can accomplish all that God has for us uh, individually and together. And so a big part of that is, is just in our relationship with God, how we talk to him through prayer. So prayer is an important part of how we love God. It's a big, it's an important part of how we discern his will, and it's an important part of what guides and leads our ministry. And so prayer is important to us at Springbrook. If you're watching with us online this morning, our online hosts are available to pray with you. There's a place for you just to click that link. Um, if you'd like to pray with one of our online hosts, they'd be more than happy to do that with you. You've got a communication card in your chair, and you can share any prayer requests that you might have with us, and our prayer team would love the opportunity to pray with you. But this morning, the second and the fourth Sunday of every month, we like to gather together, and we have what's called that front prayer. And so I'd like to invite our elders, members of our prayer team, any small group leaders that would like to come forward. We'd love the opportunity to pray for you. And so our team's going to come forward now. And during this next song, you can just make your way up to the front. Uh, any member of our prayer team up front would love the opportunity to pray with you. But uh, let's just use this as an opportunity to come before God that already knows what you need before you even ask. It's an opportunity for us to praise and to celebrate. And I would love the opportunity to pray with you. So during this next song, just make your way to the front. Then Kyle will close us in prayer and uh, we'll continue our worship.
God, because of what you've done in our lives. As we've already sang this morning, you've brought us out. You've brought us out of the flames. 
brought us out of the shadows and out of the valley. And we are so thankful. God, we're so thankful that when you say that we can seek you and you will be found as long as we are seeking with all of our hearts. God, many of us have found you this morning. God, for those of, for those of us that haven't found you, I pray that you would just lay heavy on our hearts. For any of those with hardened hearts this morning, God, I pray that you would just you would speak through Pastor Rich. Speak through the message that you've given him. Pray that your words would penetrate our hardened hearts. God, this morning, just bless the rest of our time together. Bless the time that you've given us. For all these things in your name. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Springbrook. My name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here. Listen, if you're visiting with us this morning, let me just stop right now and say thank you so much for doing so. Whether you're visiting here in person or online, thank you for taking the time to, uh, out of your Sunday morning, to come and worship with us. And so, um, if you have questions, if you have, uh, you know, concerns, things like that that you want to talk about, uh, we have a couple of ways in which we'd like to connect with you. Specifically, if you're watching online, uh, as Rich mentioned, they have a chat, a place where you can ask about a relationship with Christ. You can have people pray for you. Or you can simply just go ahead and let us know that you're visiting with us. Um, there's also an online connection card that you can click over, and you can register your presence with us so that we can get to know you and connect with you. Um, additionally, if you're here in person, we have you know, the cards that are you know, by the seats. You can fit one, uh, fill out one of those, and you can hand it to somebody as you're leaving. Or, uh, if you're like me, you can simply just text Enoch here to the 844-238-7507, and uh, you know, we will uh, register that you're here visiting with us. So, but please do so, because we do want to get to know you and you know, connect with you. Um, coming up um, on the 29th, which is just around the corner here, we have the... Um, uh, excuse me... Have a little bit of a different order. My apologies for that. But we have a parent meet and greet. So this is my forte here. This is pretty much right now. So, you know, after the service, in between the two services here, we're going to meet in the conference room, which is right out these doors here. Um, if you have kids that are, you know, going into Thrive or in Thrive presently, um, and you want to ask questions, you know, of, you know, Kyle Smoot, our uh, you know, director for, you know, student ministries, or I, uh, we'll have calendars for you. We'll be able to answer questions or talk about, you know, the you know, upcoming schedule, um, as well as I've, you know, purchased a lot of donuts. So seriously, please come and eat them, guys. I don't want to take them home with me. So that's, again, right after the service, right through those doors in the conference room. I, you know, will be there, and I can answer any questions and give you guys a, you know, printed schedule if you'd like that. So um, next, as I was talking we have the Celebrate Recovery. There's an uh, informational, um, you know, dinner which you can register for. And this is, you know, this coming Tuesday on the 29th. We're already at the end of August, right? I, th- I thought we were here beginning it, but we're at the end. And so 
the ministry season is ramping up. But um, you need to register for that by going through the tab that's on the website there, that's springbrook.org forward slash CR dinner, or you can text CR to the aforementioned number there. Um, Celebrate Recovery is a ministry talking about your hurts, habits, hang-ups, and being able to recover from those and find support for those. So if that describes you or something that you may need, um, you know, please, uh, you know, do attend, you know, and, you know, just register beforehand so that they can make, uh, you know, enough food for you, you know, if you do arrive. So um, lastly, you know, if you have Wednesdays, you know, coming up as an open part of your schedule, we are praying for Awana leaders this upcoming season. So uh, Awana is, we want to use this as an outreach to our community to have kids come in through those doors and learn Bible verses and talk about Jesus Christ. But we have to have enough people available in order to do that. And so, again, we are praying for leaders, praying that if you um, are hearing me talk right now and you have that available in your schedule and you do want to serve, um, coming up on, you know, the 30th of, you know, the month of August, they have, I believe, the first... Um, informational session and training starts, and then the next week on September 6th, um, you know, they have um, you know, the next portion of that. But you can go to springbrook.org forward slash Awana, and you can put your information in there and let us know that you're available. There's also a wait list right now for kids who want to attend. So again, we have to have enough bodies and adults, leaders here, you know, for the kids. And so um, even if you don't have that time available, would you just please join us in praying for those leaders to step forward? We would like every single kid that wants an opportunity to be able to attend that ministry to be able to do so. So uh, please, you know, pray with us in that vein. So thank you very much, and Pastor Rich will be out in just a moment here. Welcome to Springbrook. We're so glad that you are uh, with us today. We got a little bit cooler. I was down in Chicago last night, and uh, oh, it's nice to get some cool weather in there. And hope everybody's adjusting to school schedules. I know we're um, moving quickly towards the end of summer and getting ready for fall. I was talking with some of our small group leaders about our fall uh, sermon alignment series materials, and so we should have those in the next week or two. And uh, I'm working on. Uh, the fall series, and then believe it or not, getting ready for Christmas Advent, and I've got some really exciting things for 2024. <laughs> I'm sort of thinking, well, it's still August. I can slow down a little bit, but uh, we are so glad that you are with us today. We're finishing up our series uh, entitled Loving God and Loving Others. In uh, Matthew chapter uh, 22, it talks about the importance of these two commands, all of Scripture, all the entire Bible hangs on these two commands. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second commandment is like it. It says you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands depend all the law and the prophets. And so do you feel the weight of that? I mean, everything in Scripture can be summed up in, in these two commands. And so we've been looking at, for the last two weeks, about what it means to uh, love God. We've been talking about loving God, and the, uh, the principles involved in that are rooted in our relationship with Him. And so our loving God is rooted in our talking and listening to God. 
And so we're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. And so how do we, how we do that? What does that look like? And so we've been talking about the relationship that we can have with him as a reflection of our love for him and his love for us. And we know that he loves us, and that way we're still sinners. Christ died for us. So we love him because he first loved us. And so we talked about the importance of our relationship being based in talking and listening to him. And so we listen to him through his word. Many of us know what unhealthy relationships look like. But healthy relationships, they bring life. They bring encouragement. They bring blessing. They bring hope. And those are all things that we find in our relationship with God. There is blessing. There is life in our relationship with God as we read and we study his word. That's what we looked at two weeks ago. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't walk in a worldly you know, fashion, nor stand in the way of sinners. They're not influenced by those that are ungodly, those that don't have a relationship with Christ. We're not influenced by them. We're, we stand solely on God's word and we surround ourselves with others that encourage us in our faith and we don't sit in the seat of scoffers. Our delight Our delight is in the law of the Lord, and it's on his law that we meditate day and night. And so that's where blessing comes from. That's where new life comes from. That's where encouragement comes from, is God speaks to us through his word and as we listen to him. Our love for God is strengthened as he talks to us. Now, last week, we looked at our love for God as being strengthened as we talk to him. And we talked about the importance that prayer plays in our lives individually and as our congregation, as a church. Why, that's why we say prayer is so important to us at Springbrook. It is. It's important because it's in there that our relationship with God is, is strengthened and grown and, and, and grows, and we're, there's blessing in there. And so we looked at the example of when we pray. We go into our room, we shut the door, and we pray to our Father in heaven. And so we have a Heavenly Father that loves us, loves us unconditionally. We have a Heavenly Father that is there for us at any point that we need to talk to Him. I was engaging with many, we have a a system that we use, and we'll talk about it in just a little bit, that we use to engage with people in our community that are reaching out to just to have somebody to talk to them whether they need hope. And and so I can't tell you how many times, I think probably five times in the last week I've talked to people in our community, they just feel like there's nobody there to talk with them. There's depression that sets in and and they don't feel like there's anybody there to listen to them. But, But we know that God is there. He's always there. You know, we talked about that passage a few moments ago from Jeremiah 1, that before you were even formed in the womb, God knew you. God has created you with a plan and a purpose. And when we go to him, we can pray to him who knows us the best. It's there that we find our reward, our blessing, our encouragement, our hope. We don't pray as those that are praying empty prayers, you know, phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they're going to be heard by their many words. Don't be like them, for your father knows what you need before you even ask him. Doesn't that provide some level of comfort to you? Knowing that no matter what's going on in your life, God knows what you need. And so when you come to him with these prayers and these petitions and these praises and these thanksgivings, it's a part of how our relationship, our love with him grows. And so we love God through our talking and listening to him. And the entire Bible hangs on these two commands, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and then we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. And so those two commands are important if we're going to live out our faith, if we're going to live from a scriptural perspective and growing in our relationship with God and others. And we're going to talk about um, loving our neighbor today. But these two commands, loving God and loving others, are foundational principles for us, you know, at Springbrook. When somebody says they're a Christian or a Christ follower, these are the first two things that you would expect to see in the life of someone that has a relationship with Christ. 
We've been looking at loving God. In just a moment, we're going to look at loving others. But there's, there's three other commands that Jesus gave us that are also critically important. And he gives this, these commands to the disciples right before he would ascend to heaven. And they're found in Matthew 28. He says, we're to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo and behold, I will be with you to the very end of the age. And so we have three other commands. We're to go, we're to baptize, we're to teach, we're to help others to understand their need and their need for a relationship with Christ and the hope and the new life that is found in that. And then baptism is a symbol of our unity with Christ. It's a symbol of who we are together. It's reflective of being a part of this family of believers. It's about being involved in biblical community. Individually, we have a relationship with Christ, but together we are something different as the body of Christ. And then we looked at what it means you know, to teach and obey, obedience to God's word. And so those three commands are also equally important. And so these five commands are foundational principles for us at Springbrook as we think about what our ministry looks like. And so you've got a little, you've got a little bookmark there. And I think I introduced this to you two weeks ago. You should have another one there this morning. But these principles are a reflection of what it means to be a disciple. You, know, you can go into any Christian church, any church that you know, claims or calls on the name of Jesus, and they will tell you, the disciple-making is important. Every church will tell you disciple-making is important. But very few churches can tell you, okay, well, this is what it looks like. You know, it'd be like me telling you this morning, okay, I want you all this morning, when you get home today, to go make a cake. Okay, we're all going to make cake today. And so when you get home today and somebody says, what did you learn at church? You go, I don't know. He said something about making a cake, but I, had, I have no idea what he's talking about. <laughs> Well, that's what happens when you don't describe to somebody what a picture of a disciple looks like. You can't say, let's go make disciples and then not have a picture of what it looks like. And so these five things are foundationally important to us with regard to understanding what it means to make a disciple. And so today we're going to be looking at what it means to love our neighbor. We've been looking at loving God, and today we're going to be looking at loving others. And these three we're going to hold for another time. We've got some exciting things coming up next week as we start a new series moving towards our Fall Sermon Alignment series, but we're looking at what it means to love God and to love others. We're to love our neighbor as ourselves. We're to love others like we want them, you know, we want to be loved. And so this is an important command. And, and so in one sense, it sounds pretty simple, you know, we're, we're to love our neighbors, but, you know, we're looking at what it means to, to love our neighbor together. And, and, and sometimes it's not quite as simple as it seems. And so we want to look today at what it means um, to love our neighbor. I want you to be encouraged today as you think about the fact that you know, God loves you. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. And that relationship with God is so important. But, but who we are together is equally important. And the love that we have for others is equally important. In fact, it's as, it's as equally as important as our love for God. And all of Scripture um, hangs on that. So what does it mean uh, to love your neighbor if you brought a Bible with you today, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 10. If you're watching online, there's a little link you can click um, to follow along with us on the Bible there as well. But beginning in Luke chapter 10, Jesus' ministry is well underway. Uh, he's been healing, he's been preaching, he's been teaching. Uh, when you get to chapter 10, the disciples are really excited about the start of this ministry. And uh, beginning in chapter 10, verse 1, and it says the Lord appointed 72 others and he sends them out ahead of them two by two into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And so he's preparing these, these groups of 36 people to go out to these different towns and prepare the way 
for people about the good news about his arrival. Then he says this, beginning in verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. In other words, there's people out there that desperately need to hear about Christ. The harvest is plentiful. There's, there's low-hanging fruit out there, but there are very few people that are able to go out there with this harvest. And so the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. He says, therefore, your responsibility is to pray earnestly to the Lord to send out laborers into the harvest. And so when we look around at our community and we see the desperate need that people have for Christ and we think about who is the Lord going to send, like Isaiah, here I am, I send me. When we think about who God is sending out there, there's, there's more people that have a need than there are people that tell them about their need for a relationship with Christ. You know, we talked about the fact that there are 350,000 people in a 10-mile radius around our church. And they're not, they're not all in Springbrook. And they're not all in, in the church down the street. I was talking to Todd Katner at uh, Willow last week. He's a good friend of mine, and we were kind of comparing notes. And so he was talking about, well, we can't get them all in here. And we can't get them all in this church. We can't get them in Fox Valley. We can't get them in our church. 350,000 people that desperately need to hear about the good news about Christ. And, and we have touched very few of those with the good news about Christ. We're just scratching the surface for what God has for us. And so we have a compassion. We have a heart for people in our community. But, but our responsibility is to trust God with that. And our responsibility is to pray that God would raise up workers for the harvest. You know, we need workers for the harvest in several of our ministries as we think about where we have opportunities to serve. And we're going to talk about that in just a few moments. But it's a reminder for me that the, of the importance of praying to the Lord. You know, we bring our prayer requests, our supplications, and our needs to the Lord. But at the same time, we pray that God would go before us preparing the hearts and minds of, of people for the good news about Christ. And we are praying for Workers for the harvest. That's our responsibility is to pray that God would go before us. As you move through uh, Luke chapter 10, the 72 go out and they return to Jesus in verse 17 and they are rejoicing. They are excited. Verse 17 says, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw while you were out there, Satan falling like lightning from heaven evil has been destroyed. Satan has been defeated. Christ overcame the grave. There's still a a working out (laughs) for us, but our victory is in Christ. And so Jesus is watching the good news about himself go out and he sees Satan being defeated and he's celebrating that. He says, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions all all over the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. But he says this in verse 20, don't rejoice in this. Rejoice, don't rejoice in the fact that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Praise God that you have a relationship with Christ. That's something to be excited about. And so we come together this morning, and like, if you have a relationship with Christ, that should be exciting. And that's also the motivation for helping us to understanding, having compassion on those that don't have what we have. And if you're here this morning and you have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ, we are so glad that you are here. I can't think of a better place for somebody to go than to hear the good news about Christ than here. And then if you have a relationship with Christ, you are a lighthouse in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in our community, as we prepare the hearts and minds for people about the good news about Jesus. And so as you read through... uh, uh, Luke chapter 10, you know, after all this rejoicing, uh, Jesus uh, pulls his disciples aside in verse 23, and he says, blessed, is the, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and they hear what you hear and did not hear it. And in the midst of this conversation, in verse 25, a lawyer stands up. It says in verse uh, 25, a lawyer stood up 
to put him to the test. Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What a great question. I love it when somebody asks me, hey, how do I have eternal life? What shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, well, what is written in the law? How do you read it? He said to him, well, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have answered this correctly. Now go and do it. You have answered this correctly. Do it, and you will live. Verse 29, he says, but desiring to justify himself, he says this question. It just sets, it's just almost too easy. Who is my neighbor? <laughs> I love that question because it frames up for us what it means to, to love our neighbor. And then Jesus answers it directly. And he says, I'm going to give you an example of who your neighbor is and what it means to love him. And he says this. He gives him a parable. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell in among robbers who stripped him and they beat him and they, and they departed and they left him half dead. By chance, a priest was going down the road. The priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, passed by on the other side. And then a Levite comes, and when he comes to the place, he sees him, and he passes by on the other side. In verse 33, he says, But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal, and he brought him to the inn, and he took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and he gave them to the innkeeper saying, take care of him and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And so Jesus says to him, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, well, the one who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him again, you are correct. Now you go and do likewise. And so the command to love God and, and to, uh, with all your heart, soul, and mind is important. But this loving your neighbor is equally as important. And Jesus sets up for us an example of what it means to understand who your neighbor is and what does it mean uh, to love others. You know, the central message of this parable is the importance of showing concern for other people and then moving towards taking action. It's about understanding the needs of the people around you and then doing something about it. Now you go and do likewise. And the Samaritan's willingness to help a wounded stranger, despite the personal cost, the cultural and religious differences of the time, emphasizes the value of what it means to serve other people. It's an example of selfless love and care for others. In verse 29, the lawyer stood up to test Jesus, and he sets up the question, who is my neighbor and how do I love them? And Jesus, you know, he answers this question. I love this because it's just like, it's like, this is a no-brainer. And so when somebody says, well, who is my neighbor and how do I love them? That's the question that is being asked of Jesus. And he gives us four examples from the Samaritan that we can learn from and apply to our own lives today. Jesus gives him four examples from the Samaritan. The first example we find is in Luke 10.33. He said, well, here's an example for you. There's a Samaritan, and as he journeyed, he came to where the man that was robbed was. He saw him, and he had compassion on him. And so what are some of the observations that you can make as you look at this passage? What was the Samaritan doing? When he came along, the man that had been robbed, what was he doing? He was, he was on a journey. 
right? He was going somewhere. He had some place to be. And so it wasn't like he was just, you know, happened to be out there. I mean, the, the man was, was expected somewhere. I know maybe he was trying to get to work on time. What does it mean to be on a journey? What does it look like for you? Maybe you're on your way to school. Maybe you're on your way to work. Maybe you're down at your neighbor's house. Maybe you're, maybe you're getting, trying to get home for dinner. You know, he was on the way to go somewhere. And so he had some expectations in his own mind about where he was going. There was somebody probably on the other end waiting for him. It doesn't really matter where he was going or what he was doing. I would love to know where he was going. I'd be, if I ever, when I get to see the Samaritans, like, hey, where were you going when you were journeying? <laughs> Think about some of the things that, that we're, always, we're always going somewhere, aren't we? I mean, you were, you were coming to church this morning, and when you get done here, you're going to go somewhere. And when you get done with that, you're going to go somewhere. And when you wake up Monday morning, you're going to go somewhere. You're going to get on the bus. You're going to go to school. You're going to go work. We are always going somewhere. I'm even going to bed. <laughs> I mean, we're always going somewhere. He was on a journey, but he stopped. You know, he stopped. He came to where he was. He saw, and he stopped. He stopped out of compassion. He gave his time out of compassion. You know, I think this lesson is right here, number one, up at the top for us. <laughs> because what we're talking about here is our time. This, le- this lesson happens right up at the top. Giving of our time for many people is the hardest thing that we can do. He gave of his time out of compassion. In other words, the Samaritan saw a need and he moved to take action with it. In Luke chapter 7, there is a uh, woman who has lost her husband. You know, she's described as a widow, and uh, which well, she is. And uh, she has lost her only son. And so there's a funeral procession. They're going out to bury the son. And uh, there's great crowds that are gathered around. And it says in Luke 7 that when Jesus saw the woman who had lost her husband and lost her only son, he had compassion on her and he stopped. He stopped the crowd and he brought the dead son to life. Jesus' compassion moves him to action. And compassion for us should, should move us to action. And so Jesus raises her son and brings him back to life. Compassion moves us to taking action. You know, loving our neighbor requires us to give our time and to take action. And so if we're going to love others as we love ourselves, it's going to require us to take some time. And then as you read through the passion, that, that, that compassion piece was the, was the motivation. And so when we look out on the people around us, we have to see people from God's perspective. We have to look at people and ministry and opportunities that God has for us and let those things move us to compassion so that we can take action. We give our time and we have to we take action. We have, to, we have to do something with what we know. We don't just go, oh, sorry, and keep moving. We have to stop and, have, and, and cultivate in our own hearts hearts of compassion. Loving your neighbor as yourself means giving your time and means taking action and doing something with what you know. We give our time, we take action. The third principle comes from verse 34. He went to him, he bound up his wounds, he poured oil and wine, and then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and he took care of him. He shared his resources. You know how much that oil and wine was at the time? I don't know. You know, he set it on his own animal and he walked and, you know, he, he's using his stuff for the benefits of others. 
You know, think about what it means to use your stuff for the benefit of others. You know, our small groups, our small group leaders, they are my absolute heroes. <laughs> they open up their home. They open up and they, and they share their stuff. You know, people that, that are serving others and, and, and they're taking this and they're saying, this is, this is mine, but I'm going to use it for God. And, and, and they share. And that's what it means to love others. It's, it's sharing our, our resources with a, with a generous and, and giving heart. You know, it was, uh, I've got an olive oil. I, I love olive oil. And so uh, there's a gentleman down in um, Elgin at, the, um, at their farmer's market. And his family owns a plantation in Greece. Uh, and so I had an opportunity to go there many years ago. And so I fell in love with Greek oil. I'm a kind of oil snob, I guess. I don't know. But this guy brings the oil oil. His family's got this plantation. He brings his oil over. It's expensive oil. And so and I really like it. So I bought a jug of it. And so I've got this little bottle sitting out on the countertop. And, uh, and so I pour it on different stuff. And, and then I realized other people were using the, my good oil. And so my wife buys this bottle of oil at Costco, Kirkland brand. I'm thinking, so I got another bottle and I poured it there. And I said, well, you guys, you guys use this stuff. <laughs> I'm saving my good oil for, you know, for good stuff. <laughs> I know it's a shame. I got over it. I shared it with you. And so now it's a confession. <laughs> and so now I share my oil with everybody. <laughs> but I went down, I bought another can of it. <laughs> you know, we share our resources. And then he puts him on his own animal. It's just not like I said, oh, I'm going to walk too. I'm trying to make room for you. And so when we, give, when we give our stuff to other people, when we share what God's entrusted to us, it's, it's symbolic of our, how we love our neighbor. It's not keeping stuff, including your good olive oil, for yourself. But, you know, it's sharing our resources with others. You know, in verse 35, um, we're going to look at the next principle. But loving our neighbor requires giving our time. It it involves taking action and sharing our resources. And then in verse 35, it says, The next day he took out two denarii, and he gave them to the innkeeper. He said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I'm going to repay you when you come back. And so now we're hitting the other. This is the fourth principle, by the way. I would argue that our time is, uh, is number one, but then we get to the financial part of that, and sometimes I think that could be number one. Time and money, time and money are the two things that I think we Maybe it's bookmarks, you know, but then he gets to the denarii. He takes out two denarii. Two denarii, by the way, in this time frame, was a day's wages. And so how much money do you make during the week? Take whatever you made on Monday, and you give it to somebody and take care of them. It's 20% of his weekly income. And he says the income, he says the innkeeper, take this, and if you spend more, don't worry about it. When I get back, I'm gonna I'm gonna cover the rest of the costs. You know, loving your neighbor can be a little bit tricky. Loving your neighbor requires generosity. You know, it, 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 there's a cost associated with it. Sometimes it's financial, sometimes it's our time, sometimes it's with our stuff. And so when you think about what it means to love your neighbor, it hits every single thing about us that says this is mine, doesn't it? And so loving your neighbor, although it sounds something to be easy to do, it can be a little bit, it can be a little bit tricky, but it doesn't need to be. Loving your neighbor doesn't need to be tricky. You know, we're talking about loving your neighbor and talking about the importance of giving our time. You know, we're talking about loving our neighbor and the importance of, of taking action. It's about making observations and then doing something with what we know about anybody that God's placed in your path. Whether it be here at Springbrook, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, 
Um, think about all the circles of relationships that you have. You know, those are the people that God has put around you. Or think about our church's you know, presence in our community. We have, we have neighbors. We have 350,000 neighbors in our community around Springbrook that just live within you know, five miles any direction you know, from us, 10-mile radius. And so those are people that are closest to us. And so, so we're praying that God would help us to you know, connect with our neighbors. And so we're looking for opportunities to connect with them so that we can share our time, so we can see those needs and take action, so we can share our resources and so we can be generous. And so it sounds difficult, but it doesn't need to be. And so I want to share with you a couple of opportunities that, that you can you know, you know, put into practice. And so if you're sitting here thinking, you know, hey, what does this look like for me? I, I think it's important for us to be able to not just walk out of here with some important content, but I want to give you a, a couple of things that you can think about that are very easy um, for you to do. Five opportunities that you can take to help you start growing or begin loving your neighbor. I'd also like to hear from you. I'm going to share five things that, you know, as I've kind of prayed and talked to some of our other ministry leaders and I look at you know, our ministry at Springbrook, I'm going to share a couple things with you. But if you're doing something that's not on this list, I'd love to hear stories about how you're loving your neighbor. And so I'm going to give you five ideas, but um, you can go to springbrook.org slash stories. It's on our app, or you can just email me. And so if you've got something else you're doing, um, I would love the opportunity to hear uh, from you. But here's five things um, that you can do um, to love your neighbor as well. And they fall into those categories that we just learned about Jesus. It's about, it's about generosity. It's about understanding ministry needs. It's making time for others. It's about praying literally for your neighbors. You have neighbors around your house, around your apartment, school, workplace. And then talking about what does it mean to engage in our community. And so with regard to generosity, in one sense, I put this up at the top because this is really the, the easiest one to do. You know, we have, a, we have a budget at Springbrook that is structured around connecting with our community. And so we take, in, we take with the utmost importance and priority, you know, who our church is and how do we reach and connect with people in our community. And so we want to help people get connected vertically uh, to a relationship with Christ and horizontally uh, to the body of Christ. And so our budget is structured around helping people to get connected so they can begin to experience growth. And so then we want to help people to grow in their faith so they become mature, so they can understand God's will and purpose for them. They can be encouraged in their faith and they can grow towards Christ's likeness. And then we spend, you know, a, almost a, you know, 25% of our time equipping saints for ministry. You know, the, the Bible teaches that every believer has a spiritual gift to be used for the, the building up of the body of Christ and for God's glory. And so we, we spend uh, a, a significant portion of our time investing in and equipping um, our church for the ministry that God has for them. And then, we, and then we send people out into our community, into our region, and ultimately into our world. And as we move into 2024, one of the things that we're praying for is that we can continue to have a significant impact on mobilizing our church to take the good news about Christ to the ends of the earth. We've got some great relationships with the Timothy Initiative. We've got some, uh, we've got some missionaries that we're supporting down in Mexico. If you want to know more about our ministry and about our missions initiatives, you go to springbrook.org slash missions. It's on our website. It's on our app. And so, but it's important for you to know that through your tithes and offerings and through your generosity at Springbrook, we're able to accomplish the ministry that God has for us here at Springbrook. And so I am so grateful for your generosity. This is such a generous church. You know, as we move towards the fall, we're going to have opportunities uh, to purchase um, gifts for kids whose parents are incarcerated. 
for moms and dads who have a pregnancy. They're trying to figure out what to do with that. We have an opportunity to do Thanksgiving baskets. We're going to have opportunities as we move towards the fall. And it gets a little bit draining because we're going to, you know, fall is typically the time that we start thinking about, hey, how can we have an impact for people in our community that typically might not otherwise come to a church, but maybe you're thinking at this point, I have a need you know, we have an opportunity to connect with them. And so if, if you are interested in supporting the work of this ministry, it's simple. You can just go to springbrook.org slash give. You can text give to that number. But I am so grateful for those that are financially supporting the work of this ministry. And if you have any questions about our budget, I um, would love the opportunity to talk with you. Uh, God loves a cheerful giver. And so we're praying that out of that cheerfulness, out of that generosity, that God would continue to be glorified and this church would be built up and be strengthened. And so if you have any questions about um, our finances, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. But this is one of the easiest ones to do. I don't have time, but here's five bucks, leave me alone. <laughs> That's not the right perspective on it because we understand that all that we have is God's and we're honoring God with our finances. But in one sense, this is one of the easiest things for people to do. If you have any questions about that, please um, let us know. And then we have opportunities for serving in our community, in our, in our immediate community, in our church. You know, right now we have children that are coming in with their parents, and many of you have dropped off your kids at our children's ministry back there, and, and you can trust that those teachers back there are praying for those kids. They're teaching them about God in an age-appropriate fashion. We have people in our community that are wanting to come to church because their children need it. That's why I came to church. I was 33 years old. I'm thinking, well, I don't know. Things seem to be kind of messed up. Let me go give this church thing a try. And, and by the way, my kids will probably benefit from it. <laughs> So many times people come in uh, to drop their kids off in a children's ministry so they can learn. You know, we want to come alongside of our parents and help them to raise their kids up to understand how to have a relationship with Christ. And right now we've got, um, right now we have probably 25 different open positions in our children's ministry. And so if you want to be a part of uh, our ministry to reach this next generation, um, I know that uh, Rebecca has got a sign-up sheet out in the lobby. She'd love the opportunity to talk with you. But if you can just give uh, maybe an hour and a half of your time on Sunday to invest in kids, you can serve once a month. You can serve twice a month, uh, however often you would like. But we have immediate needs in all these ministries. You know, Lane Zahar right now is trying to gear up uh, for our Awana that's going to be kicking off in probably about three weeks. And we have kids that are wanting to register, but we're having to tell parents, we can't register your kids right now until we know how many leaders we have. It's a one to 10 ratio and and we can't have 50 kids in one leader. And so Elaine is praying for workers for that harvest. And so our responsibility is to pray. So we're praying for workers in Awana. Um, uh, Pastor Jeff and, and Kyle Smoot are working diligently on our student ministries and they have needs for leaders there. Kids hope we had us. We have schools in our community that are calling our church to say, we have families that have kids that are at risk. Do you have anybody at Springbrook that would be willing to come alongside of these kids, maybe one day a week during a lunchtime, during a break time, and just mentor these kids, just be available for them, talk to them, and have somebody that they can talk to? We had, uh, at one point, we had 10 mentors uh, as a part of our Kids Hope Ministry, and I'm going to say it again, I got COVID, um, just destroyed that ministry. And so, you know, school got different. Um, people's ability to meet uh, got a little bit different, but as we move into this next, you know, phase of what's happening culturally, schools are now reaching back out and saying, hey, if you've got anybody that would be available once a week to meet with one of these kids as a mentor, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. Um, And so we're in conversations with schools. Think about that for a second. Schools in our community are reaching out to us to ask for help. 
Wouldn't that be great if we could come alongside them and support them? Replanted as a ministry that is supporting adoptive and foster care families. And Ben and Sarah Belton, Sarah has done a great job you know, leading that ministry. I heard last week they had five people signed up um, to help um, watch those kids for replanted. I think two or three of them were for Springbrook. And so if you're serving and replanted, thank you so much for, for serving in that ministry. But you can go to springbrook.org slash serve, and you can find multiple places where you can begin to have an immediate impact on the lives of people around you. It's showing compassion to our community that's reaching out for help, for, for families that are trying to find help you know, with their kids to learn more about God in the Bible. And so if you are interested in finding a place to serve, a website or app, text to serve, it's, it's easy for you to be able to find some place where you can have an immediate impact uh, for God as he strengthens his church. And then making time for others. You know, we talked about the importance of our time, you know, small groups. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's one day a week. And uh, for our small group leaders, uh, they will meet with a coach. Um, they're working on curriculum. Our small group leaders spend time preparing for that. And then people come to those small groups and they study the Bible. They pray together. They encourage one another. Small groups are our frontline pastoral care of our ministry. And so when somebody says, I had this happen in my life, my first question is, do you have a small group that can come alongside you and support you and pray for you and encourage you? If you don't, we have a pastoral care ministry that will come alongside you that's designed to help our small groups or people that are not yet connected to a small group because we care about people around us that are going through difficult times in their life. Our our small groups are a great way to be encouraged and to learn. And on September 24th, we're kicking off a new uh, small group sermon alignment series. We're going to be looking at uh, questions and statements that sound true but are not. It's going to be a seven-week series. And uh, we want to encourage everyone at Springbrook to make the time to try a small group, if anything, just for a couple weeks. So if you're not in a small group, go try it for the first or second week. If you think, yeah, this is not working, go try a different group. You know, our small groups right now are, are making room for people to come join a group. And if you're interested in maybe hosting a small group on your own, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you about hosting a group in, in your home as we move towards the fall. It's going to be easy this year. We're leveraging our uh, our subscription to Right Now Media, and we can get you set up for that. And then we have opportunities for you to actually pray for your neighbor. You know, you have neighbors. If you have a house, you have neighbors. <laughs> and so we have, uh, we have an initiative called Bless Every Home. And uh, this is, you know, Springbrook Church is in the middle. Right now we have uh, 12 families that uh, have signed up to be lighthouses. And so if you want to literally start praying for your neighbors today, um, you can just text BLESS to that phone number. You can scan that QR code, or you can go to springbrook.org slash BLESS. That'll be on our website. It's on our app. It's everywhere. Uh, you can sign up for that. Just say uh, sign up, and in the settings, say I'm a part of Springbrook Community Church, and we're going to be able to track this. Right now, we've got 12 families that have adopted 383 homes, and they're praying for 103, uh, 134 people. Uh, six people have actually talked to or had started having conversations and caring about their families. Four families have actually shared Christ with their neighbors. And so you can, um, every week you can sign up. I get a little text update that says, hey, pray for your neighbors. And so I go down through that. I pray for them. And you know what else is great? It pulls in their actual names from public records. And so if you've always wondered what your next, next door neighbor's name is, it's a great thing to, to pull up. It's kind of stocky, but, it, but, it's, but, it's, but at the same time, it, at the same time, you're praying for your neighbors. You're, you're trying to get to know your neighbors. It seems weird in a culture that doesn't want to, you know, hey, leave me alone. But, you know, this is an opportunity and you don't have to run around, you know, because if you do something weird with it, then don't do that. <laughs> so, so if you have any questions about how to correctly use this, 
You come, come see me and I'll help you with that. But this is a great resource for you to say, hey, I'm going to be a light in my neighborhood and I am going to pray for my neighbors and I'm going to look for opportunities to share the hope that I have with others. And so if you want to know more information about that, you can go to our website and then in engaging our community. There are, um, let's see, three, nine, 12. There are, uh, there are 11 campaigns that are running nationally right now uh, that somebody else has paid for, great thing. Um, one of them's on K-Love, Churches Cares. I know we talked about uh, He Gets Us during the Super Bowl. Every once in a while you might see a He Gets Us campaign. And so um, there's a national campaign, uh, multiple campaigns running. And then people in our community, if they're listening to the radio, if they're on the website, or, or they just say, man, I need somebody to pray for me. They click this link, and then Springbrook gets matched with anybody in our community that has questions about God, that's going through some struggles, that's struggling with depression. And um, uh, we launched this at the beginning of the year. And um, we have had 137 people from our community have reached out to Springbrook and said, hey, I have questions about how to have a relationship with Christ. You know, can you tell me who God is? I've got this struggle going on in my life. Is there something you can do to help me with that? And so we've got this uh, system. It runs a platform called Glue. And, and uh, when you, by the way, when you text, <laughs> when you text serve or hear or give, it runs through this system. So it's a texting system. And so um, if you are interested in being a part of our REACH team, as you think about what it means to, to actually want to connect with and be available for people in our community, if you've been through our go-to workshop and you're thinking about, hey, how do I live missionally in my community? If you have a relationship with Christ and you're connected to Springbrook, we'd love the opportunity to help you to become a part of our REACH team. You can be available for, for people that are in our community that are reaching out and asking for help. And so that's not even coming along somebody laying on side of the road that needs help. That's somebody reaching out going, can you please tell me about Jesus? That'd be great. That people knocking on your door, you know, asking you to help them. And so right now there's me and a couple other people that are kind of watching that. Uh, but if you're interested in that, um, we'll set up some training for you. And uh, you can help us to be a part of how we can engage a community that is desperately seeking and asking questions about Christ. And so when you think about Jesus, when he gets to the end of his parable, he says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, it was the one that showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Now, we don't want to be like the priests that go to the other side. We don't want to be like the Levites that are too busy or too afraid to engage people that are different than us. We want to be like the Samaritan where out of compassion and a heart for the broken, out of compassion for the ones that God has placed in our path or are moved to take action. As we think about using our time, our resources, our talents, and our finances to accomplish what God has for us. If you've got any questions about how we can help you to engage in the mission that God has for us, you know, we'd love the opportunity to talk with you. If you have questions about our relationship with Christ, we'd love to talk with you. We are looking forward to what God's going to do in and through us as we move towards uh, fall and uh, the end of the year. And I'd just like to invite you to pray with me uh, that God would continue to go before us, preparing the hearts and minds of others for the good news about Christ, uh, that he would grow up others in their faith that would be passionate about who they are in Christ and be moved towards compassion as they think about what it means to love God and love others. Would you pray with me? Father, we just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. And um, God, I thank you for I thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. There's so many things for us to celebrate. I, I can't help but think about Jesus' words to the disciples when he says, rejoice in the fact uh, that you are secure in who you are in me, that your name has been written in the book of life. And so God, thank you for calling us into a relationship with Christ. And I just pray if there's 
others with us this morning that have questions about what that looks like, God, that your spirit would move them to cross that line of faith, that they might become fully devoted followers. And God, I just pray that you would continue to go before us as we seek to effectively reach this community for Christ. Thank you for your provision. God, thank you for the opportunities that we have to encourage one another. Thank you for the blessing that comes from being rooted in your word. God, we commit our lives to you. We commit this ministry to you. We commit this day to you. All for you and for your glory, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us?
Father God, just we just thank you this morning. We thank you for allowing us just to sing holy, holy to you, Father. We're so thankful that you give us the ability to praise the King of Kings this morning. God, as we as we prepare to go from this place. I pray that we would just leave completely adoring you. God, through adoring you, I pray that we would go acting and being an example of what Jesus was to us. God, I pray that we keep that in mind as we focus on the goal that we talked about this morning of being a good neighbor. Thank you and praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. We thank you for joining us this morning. We're so glad that you that you were able to be here for our corporate worship and our corporate message this morning. We hope to see you next week. And um, with that, we just want to say, go to be an example to others, to your neighbors, and be and live like Jesus.